Welcome to the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast. Hey there, I'm Michelle Brown, and I love all things Jesus, business, church finances, and books. I help church finance individuals just like you go from feeling confused and frustrated with what you don't know about church finances to being more confident in your role while increasing your proficiency and expertise in the church finance realm. In this podcast, you're going to find practical and biblically-based business solutions along with a healthy dose of encouragement and a little bit of faith and mindset work to help you think like the business professional God created you to be. So if you are ready to walk out the calling the Lord has on your life and your business while on the adventure of the lifetime, then you are definitely in the right place. Grab your notebook and a pen to take some good notes in the dream God gave you because we're doing this. Let's go. Welcome back, friend. I'm so excited about today's episode as we'll be addressing the number one tax benefit for qualified ministers, the housing allowance. We're going to cover three points today, and we're going to start with who qualifies as a minister for housing allowance benefits, according to the IRS, as well as why should our ministers receive a housing allowance. First of all, we covered this in just a review from episode two of the definition of a qualified minister. And according to the IRS, a qualified minister for tax benefits from them is a duly ordained, commissioned, or licensed minister and an individual who also performs in the exercise of ministry, which means that they partake and they lead the sacraments, the Lord's Supper. They are able to baptize. They can do uh, funerals, weddings, things like that. That is the definition of who qualifies as a minister for this wonderful benefit. And now, why should we offer a benefit? Because nearly all ministers should have a portion of their income designated as a housing allowance. A properly designated housing allowance can be worth thousands of dollars in tax savings for homeowners or renters as that portion of their income is not subject to federal income tax, but it is still subject to the self-employment tax, but not federal income tax. And that can make a huge difference in the bottom line. We're gonna jump in real quick and how to properly designate and report the housing allowance. I will just tell you from personal experience, this is a struggle that eight times out of 10 churches are getting this wrong. It's not because it's intentional. It's just because many don't know what they don't know, or it's always been done this way, or this is the way that their CPA told them how to do it, or something like that. You know, their their cousin who's been a treasurer at their church for 30 years, that's the way they do it, and they've never gotten in trouble, so it has to be fine. Well, I'm going to tell you the proper way to do it. So that in case if for some reason your church or your senior pastors get audited, you don't have to worry about it and you know everything is copacetic. How to properly designate it. This is a big deal and it does make a difference. The housing allowance should be an official action of the board of directors or by a church vote, which means like at a business meeting, And then it needs to be recorded in the minutes of the meeting. This is the big deal. It's got to be documented in writing somewhere of how much of the salary has been designated as housing allowance. 
Now, there have been instances when the IRS will also recognize a housing allowance in employee contracts or budgeted line items, as long as these items are adopted by the church board or a business meeting. So again, you've got that same criteria. It's got to be written, it's got to be voted on and approved. When you're doing this, you need to make sure to carefully word the resolution so that it will remain in effect until a subsequent resolution is adopted. What that means is if you're setting your minister's compensation package and you're figuring it's going to probably remain the same for a couple of years or a few years, you want to make sure that you have the verbiage in there that it will remain in effect until a subsequent resolution is adopted so that you're not having to go back and redo this every year. But that verbiage is very important. You need to make sure that that's in there so that it's kind of a one and done until we change it sometime later. And then, so that's how it needs to be properly designated. In addition to the written documentation, you need to make sure that you understand that housing allowance is proactive and not retroactive. What that means is that once you have an approved housing allowance, that portion of his income designated as housing allowance is good from that date going forward. It cannot be for any time preceding that approval. It's proactive, never retroactive. So if you're going to do an annual compensation review and you're going to change salaries, say, at the beginning of each year, Sometime in December or if November is for most churches is their last business meeting, you need to get this portion of the salary package and your church business taken care of, approved and in the minutes so that when January 1st rolls around and it's time to get that first payroll going that you can legally designate whatever portion of housing allowance is that you want. Now, in reporting the housing allowance, this is another area that a lot of churches struggle in. Even if you use third-party payroll processors, they don't always get it right. So I'm going to tell you the right way that this needs to be done. So just know that in the eyes of the IRS, nearly every qualified minister is considered a W-2 employee. So their wages need to be reported on a W-2, not a 1099 NEC. 1099 NECs are for independent contractors. Like for me, if I do outsource bookkeeping and payroll or do some compliance work for a church, that church, if they pay me more than $600 in a calendar year, they are to issue me a 1099 NEC because I'm an independent contractor. I have a signed contract with them for me to perform a one-time or monthly service for them. But I am not their employee. I do not go to their place of business. They do not control the equipment I use. They do not tell me how to do my job. They do not tell me when to do my job, okay? That is the difference. A minister, you have, and we'll cover this in another episode, the type of control that you have. So just trust me. Very seldom and very rarely is a minister not considered a W-2 employee, according to the IRS. So as such, what needs to be done on this W-2 is their salary and wages goes in box one of the W-2, 
but if any portion of his annual package is housing allowance, you need to subtract that amount from the wages that you report in box one of the W-2, and then you're gonna go down to box 14 of the W-2, you're gonna enter that amount of housing allowance, and then you're gonna put in the words, make a notation that says housing allowance. Or you can do provide a separate statement on church letterhead stating that X amount of dollars during this year was designated as housing allowance for, say, Pastor Bob. So to give you a practical example, we'll say that Pastor Bob's annual salary and housing allowance package is $50,000 a year. Small church, okay? Of that $50,000, $16,000 has been designated in advance as housing allowance which leaves a salary and wage amount of $34,000. When you're going to fill out that W-2 in box one, you're going to have $34,000 because that's his taxable wage. Box 14 is gonna have $16,000 for housing allowance. So if you add box one and 14, you come up with 50, which is his total package, but box 14 is not subject to the federal income tax. That's very, very important. Please make sure that you do not enter this amount on a 1099. A 1099 is taxable income and housing allowance is not taxable income for federal income tax purposes. If you are issuing your ministers a form 1099 and they are actually an employee or you're including the housing allowance on their form 1099 if there's say a an interim you are doing them a disservice and you're frustrating their tax preparer if their tax preparer actually understands how to properly do this we're going to designate it properly in writing before they receive the first payment and then at the end of the year when we go to report it we're going to make sure that the w-2 is properly filled out number three claiming it on their tax return not every tax preparer or cpa or even ea understands the unique nuances of the dual tax status of a minister and they especially do not understand housing allowance and there are even some out there who they understand it but they don't like it and they don't agree with it that makes it kind of hard when your tax preparer isn't on your side and isn't trying to give you the best tax benefits that they can. So the IRS goes by what they call the least of three rule. And the least of three means that they're going to take into consideration how much was the properly designated housing allowance by the church. Number two, what were the actual expenses of the minister for housing expenses, allowable housing expenses. Or number three, what is the fair rental value plus furnishings plus utilities? And it's the lowest amount of those three items. That's the allowable housing allowance. And what that means is that portion that's allowed for to be considered housing allowance is not subject to federal income tax which can be a huge amount. It is still subject to self-employment taxes, but it is not subject to federal income taxes. Understanding the, the properly designated amount, that's a no-brainer. People generally understand what that is. The actual expenses. We understand what actual expenses are. And then actually in next week's podcast, we're gonna go over and cover what are allowable expenses 
according to the IRS for minister's housing allowance. The third one of this, the fair rental value plus furnishings and utilities, people don't seem to know about this one so much. I have several clients that when they first became clients, they had no idea that this was a consideration and that they needed to have this. So what this is, if you look in the U.S. tax code, which is code 26 in section 107, if you feel your nerd coming on and want to read this, it states that the fair rental value determination is the minister's responsibility. Did you hear that? The minister's responsibility to find out the fair rental value of his primary home. And one of the best methods that you can use to get this information is to just request that a local realtor that you own to give you an estimate on the value in writing. And that most churches have a realtor, a real estate person that would love to do this for you. But especially with the current higher housing market, I can almost guarantee you that regardless of where you live, your housing value today is going to be considerably more than it was five years ago or maybe even three years ago. So if you've not had this done, or if it's been a few years since you've had this done, please seriously consider getting this estimate done again. And then once you get this estimate again in writing on official letterhead from this realtor showing you know their credentials and that they're a legitimate real estate agent, you keep a copy in your records and then give a copy of this to your tax preparer. And then that way they can use this as a referral. And then you can, as inflation increases each year, you can increase the value. But I would say no more than every three to five years, I would get an estimate done on the value. Because if the IRS looks at it, they're going to go to Zillow. And that's where they're going to get their value from. So having someone do the estimate in person is going to take grounds over what Zillow says. We're going to go with the least of three. Keep in mind that you can't make these numbers whatever you want them to be. Number one, they need to be accurate. But number two, any excess housing allowance that you have above the least of these three, it's going to flow through to line seven on Form 1040, and it's going to make it taxable income. And it'll actually show up on the tax form when it prints It'll have an amount and it'll say includes excess housing allowance. So you want to be really careful with that. And then there are currently no provisions in the tax code to carry over any unused housing expenses to the next year. So just try to be mindful of what the housing allowance is, of what it should be, and what the taxes are going to be on it. That's a wrap for today's episode. And I'm going to leave you with this scripture from Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 and 23 out of the New Living Translation. Scripture says, And whatever you say or do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Bye-bye. Hey there, friend. Thank you for hanging out with me again for another episode of the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast. If this podcast has inspired you or helped you in any way, I sure would appreciate it if you would do me a couple of favors. Number one, if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, that really helps others to find my podcast and I would greatly appreciate it. 
And then number two, share this with someone who you think could benefit from it so that they can be encouraged as well and learn something new about Church Bookie Bee. So until next time, I hope you have the most fantastic day. Know how much you are appreciated, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. Bye-bye.